0: Welcome to this special clinical investigator think tank on systemic therapy of central nervous system tumors. This is medical oncologist, Dr. Neil Love. The co-chair for this project, Dr. James Redenberg, assisted in recruiting seven investigators in the field to present patients from their practices and results of recent clinical trials, including data presented at the 2009 American Society of Clinical Oncology meeting, In addition to Dr. Vredenberg, the faculty included Dr. Tracy Batchelor, Tim Clousey, Manesh Mehta, Tom Mickelson, David Pierboom, John Weigert, and Patrick Wen. In preparing for this meeting, we interviewed a number of community-based oncologists to find out what they wanted to hear the investigators discuss, and we began by discussing a basic issue in terms of terminology. So David, I was chatting with one of the community oncologists who works with us a lot and I told him about this program and he said you shouldn't use the term malignant glioma. He says, quote, all gliomas are malignant. Is he right? Yes, I think he's exactly right
1: because the terminology malignant glioma suggests, on the other hand, that there might be some gliomas that are benign. And over the years, I've had some patients come to me with low grade gliomas that have then progressed to high-grade gliomas, and they tell me, well, doctor, I was told this was a benign tumor. So I think that's a very important distinction. The way I think of it, and the way I talk to patients is that I tell them that all of these are malignant. The high-grade gliomas are very aggressive. The low-grade gliomas are malignant because they all progress to high-grade lesions. It may take years for that to happen, but it happens to all of them.
0: It kind of makes me think a little bit about the cascade we think about in breast and colon cancer. How much do we know about that sort of developmental oncologic cascade with gliomas?
1: I think we know a fair amount about it. To digress for a second, when I think of low-grade gliomas, I think of it as CLL of the brain in that it gradually will progress. But to go back to your question, we do know that, in a group of glioblastomas that we call secondary GBMs, there is a fairly well defined series of genetic chromosomal changes that occurs going from normal tissue to low grade to anaplastic or grade three lesions, and then finally onto glioblastoma. And a lot of work has been done over the years to try to understand that. So, those are patients with secondary glioblastoma, as we call them. And then there's a whole group of patients, generally older patients, who present with what we term primary glioblastoma. And they'll have different chromosomal markers. And so there are two different groups of patients.
0: Anything being looked at in terms of trying to slow that down? You have somebody who is diagnosed with a glioma trying to prevent that deterioration or well, progression. the
1: clinical trials of low-grade gliomas have all looked at things like progression-free survival and whether, for instance, the addition of chemotherapy to radiation therapy, as one example, will be helpful in delaying that progression. I think there have been some improvements in progression-free survival. I think, though, that we don't really have a good understanding of how are we actually going to delay the evolution from a low grade to a higher grade glioma. I don't think we really know how to do that
0: yet. What's the time sequence, short and long ends of it, in terms of that progression?
1: It depends very much on when a patient comes to medical attention because there's such a continuum. But I think in the patients that we see who come in with low grade gliomas, the time frame is generally years. So it could happen as soon as two, three years or out to 10 years. So there's a very wide range of timeframes that a patient will go from having a low-grade lesion to a higher-grade glioma.
0: And you have a 50-year-old perfectly healthy person otherwise who has one of these earlier lesions, and they say, what's the chance that I'm just going to go through the rest of my life without a problem?
1: I tell them that basically their tumor at some point is going to progress so that there's very, very little likelihood that they would live a normal lifespan and still have a low-grade lesion.
2: John? These are often two different populations of people because a 50-year-old rarely has a low-grade glioma. Okay. It's a disease of younger people. And I think that the biology of the low-grade glioma is much different than the biology of the high-grade glioma. And here, surgery makes a difference. I think it does. In that, if you look at a low-grade glioma, okay, and you start slicing through the tumor, the distance between where you have just tumor or mainly tumor, and then you have brain and tumor really mixed together, and then you have no tumor, just brain is a very short distance in a lot of these low-grade tumors whereas in the high-grade glioma there are tumor cells that are far away from what looks the most abnormal on the mri scan so that in terms of surgery for a low-grade tumor if you can get to that edge or even beyond it then surgery could significantly impact the natural history of that disease and in fact There are multiple centers when they've looked retrospectively at their experiences now that can show that that was a true statement. And there, there probably is a role for these patients to go to brain tumor centers because it's not like taking out a glioblastoma where if you just get near the edge, patient's fine. If you just get near the edge and leave a collar of tumor in a patient with a low-grade tumor, I mean, you've probably done that person a disservice because if you get to the edge you can make a difference and there there may be a role for being a little more aggressive mapping doing a variety of different things to assure safety but I think it also gets to the point that probably the glioblastoma and one of the reasons there's so much nihilism out there is that the high grade glioma is really four or five different tumors Okay, And the molecular markers that people are talking about eventually are going to get to the point that the grade 4, there's a 4A, 4B, 4C, 4D. And that if you took all the 4As and started having trials that look at therapies that would be specific for that particular molecular makeup, progress will be made. But when you mix everything together, there's always a handful of patients in any trial that do great. But the fact that there's 50% or 60% that are not methylated or don't have this particular marker, it washes out the effect. And so it, the nihilism builds over the years. It's say, oh, we do all these trials, we make a month or two progress. But
0: if you take a small group of the patients and look at them, you say, wow, those patients did great. That's fascinating, though, about the margins. When you talk about margins in the brain, it's a little bit different than margins in the breast. I mean, does it just need to be one cell? Is there any evidence you need a little bit more? I mean, we use the MRI
2: scan to measure what we think
0: is the edge, and we use tools in surgery to get
2: to the edge. There was a paper many years ago that did needle biopsies through these lesions, low-grade and high-grade lesions, and demonstrated that, at least for the low-grade tumor, there is an edge over a few millimeters. People did... In the 70s and 80s, studies where they did resections on block and looked at where they sent multiple biopsies and kept resecting tissue until they got to the point where the pathologist didn't see any tumor cells. And in a low-grade tumor, it can be a fairly sharp, in some of them. Now, not all low-grade tumors are like that.